Melbourne Cemetery today in my favourite garden. Um, and I've finished my book, it's out. And I was thinking today how one of my favourite um, lines of all time is from Coyote McCarthy, and he says, If it's not about life or death, it's not interesting. And I love, I love that line. I've, I had something, a thought similar, which was sometimes I feel like poetry is really just writing a really long suicide note my whole life before dying of old age. And yeah, poetry's always been about life and death. It's, it's always been about the margins. When everything's fine, no one really reaches for poetry. But that quote from Cormac McCarthy was probably lodged in the back of my head like a touchstone while I was writing this book. I thought I'd read some poems from it, so I'm just going to start reading some stuff. Um, How to get home from work. When you're in full-time work, home no longer exists. You're at work and you start feeling homesick. You think, I just want to get home. That'll make everything feel better. Then you get home and still feel homesick because home slowly becomes some sort of desolate life outpost. Home is work part two and your key ring holds a jailer's set of keys. Home is now an extension of work where you recharge your batteries and force relaxation to go back and do it all over again. Then you head back to work the next day where co-workers are actually recharging their spirits by being there like they've somehow reverse engineered their soul while you're still muddling with work-death balance. There they are, grinning like they've won the lottery, having a blast eating lunch at their desks and doing pizza party overtime. And it feels like your spirit has fallen through into some circular hellish nightmare far from the wonder of childhood. You're caught in the groove of this infinite, dizzying, meaningless loop, wondering what the hell happened to your life and questioning how to get back home. But over decades, I found the only place where I could hoist myself from this gurgling death roll was to find the space between home and work, an airlock between the betweens, the only space that was truly mine. So after leaving work, I wouldn't return home. Instead, I'd sit by the train tracks under a gum tree at night and watch the commuters thunder and flash past in lit carriages like industrial fireworks. Sitting by this riverbed of steel felt like a place to fish. My bait, books of poetry. Sometimes the poetry was so good I'd look up from the page and forget where I was like I'd caught a line to another world. And between the trains, the trees at night talked. Night trees spoke to me in a braille that stood on my shoulders and arms. That's a poem based on reality. I just, I, I couldn't go home. I didn't want to, I couldn't turn around and go back to work. I always felt sort of trapped between the two for a long time. Um, here's, a, here's a poem called How to, get, How to Get Out of Bed and Go to Work. Get it, getting out of bed to go to work is a long version of getting up to go for a piss in the middle of the night. In both, you carry your dreams with you, hoping they don't fade before going back to bed. Getting out of bed to go to work should be the number one skill on your resume, but a whole lot of other certified anti-life crap is instead. Voyaging the emotional airlock between bed and job is an archetypical hero's journey. When your alarm goes off in the morning, falling awake is a fucking nightmare. Your pillow is a slow-motion explosion into your face like a crappy airbag. And the first thing you'll often notice is you're not dead. And for a whole second, you don't know where you are or who you are to even hate yourself with. What bliss. But too bad. Soon you're force-fed the download of this life bullshit again, starting with the familiar cracks in your wall. Then the memory of all of life's dramas and a job you have to go to come roaring out of the wall fractures. Your bedroom ceiling miraculously holds up a spiritual cave-in. 
Getting out the door to get to a job is a three-step process. Bed, shoes, door. So the first thing you do when you wake is to put your socks and shoes on, even if you're only in your undies or naked. This way you're psychologically halfway out the door. It's a cart before the horse, before the cliff thing. So be sure to buy pants that you can fit your shoes through. And coming home from work, coming home from work to go to bed is a whole different shit fest. At night, you crawl into bed thinking, didn't I just go to bed yesterday? As if going to bed is a never-ending task that you're trying to complete for once and for all. Apart from Cormac McCarthy's quote that I mentioned, that I, that I kind of love, I've always thought it, but he just put it really simply into words. Um, I was reading Catcher in the Rye at the same time, and I hadn't read that in years, and the first time I thought it, I, I just felt like it was just this bratty, kid just out of teenagehood and but this time I read it at the age of 47 48 I was going shit I can can kind of relate to the dude he was just going everything's everything's bullshit and it kind of is it's forget to I forget to question it sometimes you just go oh fuck it that'll do and maybe it is more of a high vibration just to leave things be and just don't turn over rocks and just get on with your life and that's true. I love stoicism in that kind of way. It's complaint is almost a pointless backwards exercise. But I've always loved it when it's artfully done. When it can be, even though complaint is kind of a low-hanging fruit when it comes to art, it's kind of reactionary. When it's done really well, it, it feels like the, the boot of life is removed from my neck. And I can feel like I can breathe again. Just hearing someone say the complete obvious turning turning the fakeness over on something and it's like fuck yeah it feels really good i just got a comment on one of my social media posts from a an older bearded guy that has phd in his bio and he said stop casting sardonic aspersions on common everyday life And I was thinking, oh shit, I've totally forgotten what sardonic means. And I've forgotten what aspersions means. He's got a PhD. So I looked him up. Sardonic is... um, Oh, I've forgotten already. Um, Ah, cynical. Aspersions is... Is um, attacking a reputation. Um, So I'm attacking... So he's telling me off for attacking the reputation of common everyday life. And I guess... He's got a point, like I was just saying before, about um, just leaving things be. Who cares? But yeah, I love it. I love it when it's just it's it's a relief when when the stuff that we've just done the whole time, all of a sudden you turn it over and you go, actually, it's actually bull- actual bullshit. For me, it's like walking around on a broken leg and just getting used to it and going, oh yeah, it's just the new normal. It's baseline normal now. Walking around on a broken leg. So sometimes I feel like, why not question shit? Why not cast sardonic aspersions on common everyday life, as he said? There's, there's, so much, there's so much bullshit in the world, and I know there's a time sometimes just to leave it alone, but anyway. Speaking of casting sardonic aspersions, I'll read one more poem from my new book. This went, this seems to have picked up on Instagram, it didn't, go as well on tiktok it's funny the tiktok stuff the it's the job stuff and the art stuff does well on instagram 
This one's called Crap TV Shows Work Chatter. The crappy TV shows and safe art that people chat about to pass time at work can kill your soul if the job hasn't annihilated it yet. Good art can elevate your mood, alleviate existential heaviness, give you the will to live. But the thing is, bad or even just mediocre art, it's like a quiet poison. Average art isn't harmless. You don't have a neutral physi physiological reaction to it. Instead, exposure to safe or shit art slyly makes you a little bit more of a moron, confused and dulls the sparkle in your world. It's like someone's grabbed a spray can and tagged your third eye with nonsense. Governments, art bodies and award shows love to throw money at this mediocre, anti-life, correct opinion, culturally sanctioned, brain-damaged non-art because they no longer have souls, just reputations. And you can see how repeated exposure to average art, this human-made asbestos, affects people in the workplace. It's the reason why you'll take the long route to avoid someone with a straight-to-streaming smile because your legs are directly attached to your spirit. Sure, money buys your roof, but good poetry or art buys you a floor so you don't fall through the nights. And these days, the great modern art has gone underground. The best and only place to find art that is true and real is in wrong and fucked up texts between friends. Yeah, that, that one took, took off. On, I posted it around and it, it, it did okay on Instagram. Um, and yes, a rapper called Death, his, his old name used to be Moss Death. Now he's Yasin Bay. Um, and yeah, that, I couldn't believe it when he was he shared that to his stories and his features. That was that was crazy. It's like maybe I should be, maybe I should just turn my shit into rap music. <laughs> but it actually made me go back and go, okay, if this rapper likes this shit, maybe I should actually go and listen to rap music and give it some give it some time because I was I was just put off with the sound of it um, as a kid. And I just never, I just never bought into it. But now um, I've been listening to it for the last six months, on and off, not in, not in any kind of intense kind of way. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, I have, I've missed out on a whole, a whole genre of music. Anyway, if you're keen to buy my new book, it's called Working Nine Lives, um, and you can, it's, it'll, it's in my bio link, and you can get it signed if you want and I'll draw a little picture on it for you. Or you can also, um, it'll be on Amazon and those other bookstores in March. And yeah, I'd love if you left a little reviewy thing in the, if you're on Spotify or whatever, wherever you're listening to this podcast. But all that shit helps. So yeah, I'd, me, me would real, real appreciate it. Like, thank you, <laughs> Darby. <laughs>